Many revolutionaries have changed nations with guns, tanks, bombs, and execution squads. But amazingly, there was a gentle revolutionary who changed the world with words of peace and love. While the bloody revolutionaries are dead and for the most part forgotten, this man lives on and his revolution continues. There's a better way than guns and bombs. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the gentle revolutionary. Now, as you know, most revolutions, um, most revolutionaries are not very, very gentle. Most revolutionaries and revolutions are very, very violent and bloody. But today we're going to talk about a person who's completely different. We call him the gentle revolutionary because he was a revolutionary. Would you take your Bible today and come with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, dear hearts and gentle people. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Um, some folks would say that's the craziest statement that was ever made. Absolutely preposterous. It just doesn't work. Jesus said, love your enemies. Uh, do good to those people who are bad to you. An amazing statement from the gentle revolutionary. We should not just disdain it though or cast it aside because uh, God said it. And who are we to say it's not going to work and it's impossible? You see, God said it. I want you to notice for a start today some of the bloody revolutionaries. I know a little bit about this first one personally. Uh, Lenin, who led the great uh, Russian revolution. He was a great revolutionary. And the communist revolution took place, my friends, because, listen to this, a corrupt church and a corrupt government. Revolutions don't just happen by themselves. But the Russian church had ground the Russian peasants into the frozen mud. Lenin was inspired by Karl Marx, who was a German Jew, and he set up the communist state. You know, it sounds tremendous. Socialism, communism, everybody is going to be equal. Do you remember the book, 1984, by George Orwell? There are some of these statements that still come into our minds. Big Brother is watching you. No freedom in communist Russia. Big Brother is watching you. Then there was Double Speak, where the president or the chairman of the board, whenever he spoke, even though he was telling lies, hey, that's fine, because what he said, it was the truth because he said it. Uh, Orwell also wrote the book Animal Farm. There's a great quote. 
All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal. <laughs> That's how it was under communism. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal. And I think he also said, and the pigs are the most equal. <laughs> so if you went to Russia as I did during the days of the Soviets, all animals were equal. The Soviet Union was atheistic. Imagine if, if we had it here in America, God forbid. It caused the brutal deaths of millions of people. Is that millions? here? Yeah. Tens of millions, torturing them to death. I've spoken in Kiev in a great, great auditorium and they took me into the basement of that great auditorium where the blood oozed out of the stones and the rocks, murdered thousands of people in those rooms under that auditorium. It was communism and atheism. I've been there. I've been to the cemeteries in Siberia. Then there's Magadan, that you ought to go online and look up Magadan, an atheistic city run by the communists. The roads of the city, look at me, were paved uh, with human bones. Human bones, that's how they made the roads. All animals are equal. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a great martyr, and a great Christian, great patriot. And he was being tortured by a communist because of his faith. A woman was torturing him and he cried out in his pain. He said, don't you know, I'm a human soul. And she said the words of Stalin. You can't help breaking eggs when you're making an omelette. So human beings don't count when there's no God because the death of God always leads to the death of man. Most people don't realise that. It is true. But look at the gentle revolution and the gentle revolutionary. Come with me to Matthew 5, verse 38 and 39. Matthew 5, 38 and 39. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Some people still say the same. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now you say it doesn't work. It's absolutely impossible. What would happen if we Americans were to follow these rules in America? Well, it just may be a far better place because many people think today there's lots of hate and poison circulating in America and the politicians have shown us the way. I want you to look at some of these people on the screen. There's Gandhi. He was not a Christian. He led a bloodless revolution. And he did it on the basis of the teachings of Christ. He said, I believe in the teachings of Christ as far as how you treat people. Gandhi. One of my heroes, Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa. Nelson Mandela, all of these people, Martin Luther King, named after the great Martin Luther, all Christians. And they believed that grace was greater than guns. What a heresy. Grace is greater than guns? Who said that? Well, Jesus said it. 
let me mention some other bloody revolutionaries. Maximilian Robespierre, the French Revolution. Why? Because of a corrupt church and a corrupt government. Whenever you have a corrupt church and a corrupt government, you're going to have a revolution. And so they had the French Revolution, which became atheistic. And during the reign of terror, they used, of course, the guillotine. You remember the stories of the knitting ladies, the ladies who would sit and knit as they watched their heads being chopped off. Atheism. Then not very far from the United States of America, Cuba, with Fidel Castro. You know why you had the Cuban Revolution? You know why this? People say, oh, it was just something that happened out of the blue. No, because of a corrupt government, the Batista regime. Bad, bad, bad. And so he overthrew them in 1959. In 1962, we had the missile crisis when the world came this close to oblivion. Remember it? I do. But after he got into power, he took away the freedoms from the Cuban people. That's why they had a mass exodus. He was an abuser of human rights. One dictator took the place of another dictator, like Mao Zedong. He overthrew a corrupt government. He was a communist, an atheist. The atheists need to answer to these crimes because I've heard the atheists say, if we were in charge and we got rid of the Christians, we would have a better world. We would have hell on earth. Look where the atheists have been in charge. They've been as bad as the corrupt Christians. And those who claim the name of Christ are not necessarily Christians. Remember this. More sins have been perpetrated in the name of Jesus than perhaps any other individual. But Mao Zedong, the great atheist, he caused the deaths of 45 million Chinese. Is anybody listening to this? More than the whole state of California, even with the illegals? 45 million Chinese between 1958 and 62. He caused the deadliest famine in history. The communist Chinese government is built on blood. He said this, revolution is not a dinner party, not an essay, not a painting nor a piece of embroidery. It cannot be so refined, so leisurely and gentle, so temperate, kind, courteous, restrained and magnanimous. A revolution is an insurrection, an act of violence by which one class overthrows another. Violence comes from the pit of hell. I have met with some of the victims of the Cultural Revolution one on one. They told me because they were Christians, they were beaten, starved, imprisoned. 
The communist revolutions around the world have been bloody and dreadful. Look at some of the states even today in Latin America. Corrupt government, corrupt church. Revolutions are generally not gentle, but today we're talking about the greatest revolutionary of them all, the gentle revolutionary. Listen to this statement, my atheistic friend, if you dare. Jesus' life and teachings have overthrown evil empires without guns, freed millions of slaves, uplifted oppressed women and positively changed millions of lives without a single shot being fired. No violence, no armies, no guns. Now listen to this. Don't confuse Jesus with many people who profess his name. Atheists will say to me, what about the great crusades? Hey, they had nothing to do with Jesus. That was a show that was put on by a corrupt church. But Jesus was a gentle revolutionary. I want you to notice his quite gentle revolutionary teachings. Most professing Christians like us have never read them. A few years ago, during a presidential debate, one of the presidential contenders, who is a good man and a doctor, when he made his speech and they were talking, how are we going to deal with this problem here? How are we going to deal with this problem? He said, I wonder if we should show our enemies love. You know what happened? And the people sitting in the audience were all pro- probably all professing Christians. They laughed and they laughed and then they booed him. So I tell you, most folks know nothing about what he taught. Do you? I want you to notice the greatest revolutionary of them all. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, which represents the kingdom. When he was seated, his disciples came to him. The teachings of his gentle kingdom are established on the rules of heaven, not the rules of earth, and are quite contrary to what happens in Washington or Moscow or Canberra, or London. I want you to notice the greatest sermon ever preached and the least known. The greatest and the least known. Matthew 5, 2 and 3. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word blessed is aptly translated happy. If you want to be happy, this is the way to true happiness. Blessed 
are the poor in spirit. What on earth does it mean? It means happiness through spiritual poverty. What does it mean? It is not condemning riches. In themselves, riches are a blessing. If those riches are used for the glory of God and the upbuilding of the human race. If you use riches just for your own soul, they'll get inside your soul and your soul will rot. But blessed, Jesus said, are the poor in spirit. The world, of course, is full of very proud people. The words that most people use more than any other words are I, me, mine. Jesus told the story of two worshippers. One of them was a Pharisee and the other one was a publican, not to be confused with a Republican. (laughs) Uh, There was a Pharisee. He was a a really churchy guy. Uh, He was a super, super churchy guy. He knew the Old Testament off by heart. He was great on paying tithes and keeping all of the commandments and, and lots of other stuff as well. Now, the publican was, was a pretty bad guy. He, he was a sinner. Most of us would not invite a publican to come into our home. And so both of these guys go up to the temple. And the Pharisee, the Bible says, prays like this, Lord, I thank you that I'm not as other men are or even like this publican. I fast so many times a week. I give tithes of all I've got. I keep the commandments. And then you got this other guy. He comes in, publican, and he doesn't even lift up his eyes to God. He puts his head down. He says, Lord, be merciful. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He hit a home run. You know why? He had a sense of his spiritual poverty. He saw himself as a sinner. Now Jesus said, if you want to be saved, you've got to realize your spiritual need. It's not easy to understand that you and I are sinners and we're standing in need of the mercy and the grace of God. So Jesus said happiness doesn't come through money. It comes through spiritual poverty. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Blessed, and look at the text. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm not talking here about crybabies. We say happy are the wealthy, the party goers, the well-connected, the rich, the famous, and the powerful. Uh, There's a prominent politician well-known in the United States of America. He's famous for this statement. He said, I never confess my sins. I guess he believes he doesn't have any sins. How far can you get from God? Blessed are those who mourn. It's talking about mourning for your sins and knowing that you're standing in need 
of the grace of God. Verse 5 says, verse 5, look at it. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the weak. He said, blessed are the meek. Now, Jesus was not a mamby-pamby. Jesus could get mad. Jesus could get angry, not like our anger. Jesus, because he was God, had righteous indignation. You and I haven't had it for one second in our lives. But he went into the temple and he saw people there doing things in the temple, prostituting the temple worship. And Jesus was a sun-tanned, strong young man. He wasn't an old man with white hair. And Jesus got a whip and he took out the whip and he drove them out of the temple. So you need to realize this. Meekness is not weakness. We are not called to be crybabies. We're not called to be mamby-pambies. One young man said to me, well, I was brought up in a home where my mother just, she just didn't let me have any problems at all. I was sort of covered all the time in cotton wool. I said to him, it's about time you grew up, young fellow, because he used to be, he'd cry so easily. Anything that happened, uh crying. Soldiers don't go into battle and win battles by crying. (laughs) Where did we get that from? Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Moses was the meekest man on earth, but he was no pushover. Moses was a humble person. He'd seen the greatness of God and the passing glory of the pharaohs. He had a sense of his own inadequacies. You and I have got to have a sense of our own inadequacies. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I, I, I can't do this in my own strength. I'm not worthy to go to heaven. So Jesus said, blessed are the meek. A proud person cannot be saved or go to heaven because there are no proud people in heaven. God is not proud. Jesus was the strongest of men, but Jesus was also the meekest of men. Look at verse 6, the revolutionary teachings. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, have, have you ever been thirsty? Have you really been hungry? A bit hard here in this great country where we live. Though I'm told there are lots of people in America and other places who are hungry. But I spent two days in the desert in the south of Iraq. I never felt so lonely because I ran out of water and I ran out of food. I was just drying up. 
When I finally got to Basra, south of Iraq, it's a terrible place to go today. I went there when there was no fighting. I just crossed over from Iran, crossed over the river Euphrates, and I was traveling for two days in the desert. I saw the caravans of camels going through in the desert. When I got to that place, Basra, I was hungry and I was thirsty. My mouth was dry. Jesus said, when you get that hungry and thirsty for God, then you're going to be happy. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty to be better and to do better and to have the righteousness of God. That means, just think about this. This is why these teachings are so different. No lying, no cheating, no slandering, no boasting. This is the very, very opposite of uh, Washington politics. Hollywood, not blessed are the well-connected, not blessed are the people with political power, not blessed are the people who are sitting on thrones and lording it over the American people, but blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You say, Hey, oh, just a lot of talk, just a lot of talk. So what? Let me tell you. When earthly kingdoms pass away, the kingdom of God that is based on these gentle teachings will endure forever. And we'll be back in a moment with the gentle revolutionary. Stay with us. There's only one thing that really counts in this lifetime, your relationship to Christ. And then if you have a right relationship with Christ, you want to tell people about Christ. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. By the grace of God, we're going to do that. We are doing that. That is why we're going back to Cuba, to this communist land, to preach Christ. We're accepting an invitation to go to the the vast, huge city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines, been there before, but by the grace of God, we're going back. Please support us and please stand with us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. You say, how do you do it? Who, Who pays the bills? We do. Do you get any help, financial help? from the church. No, my friend, we don't. But we get a lot of help from God and from his children. Please support us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. It's the most important work in all the world. Everything else is almost trivia. So would you please write to me? John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Do your best for Jesus. Do your best for the gospel. 
and uh, in Australia, write to me at Terrigal. And we promise you this, every dime, every dollar is going to be used to win souls to our Lord Jesus Christ. Please write to me today. Thank you and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.